Indeed, it's the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. We turn to Tyler Aki from the Made for March podcast and part of our team here at ESPN 1000 because, by God, the draft is here. And, of course, if the draft's here for the NBA, of course we're going to talk to Tyler, and he's with us here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. Hello, Tyler. Hello, Hoodie. I mean, we always hear the phrase Christmas in July, right? This is our Christmas in July. It's almost the end of the month, but we got it. We got it. The NBA draft is here. We get to see all these players that we've been watching. You and I have been watching since, like, November. And they're yes. finally going to make it to the next level. It's interesting, Cade Cunningham, right? So last season, Cade Cunningham became Oklahoma State's first consensus All-America, first team selection in 75 years. And so just you know, going by my memory of watching Oklahoma State, it was a number of guys that were good defensively that didn't have a good shot. But Cade Cunningham obviously stood out amongst those players. So the evaluation, I guess, if you're a scout, it's like, okay, Cade, definitely a difference maker his teammates may not have been as good maybe less than but Kate definitely stood out to be the number one pick for Detroit no doubt he is number one on pretty much everyone's board and for good reason because of the fact that he's got the skill set that the modern NBA loves he's a big physical guard he's six foot eight and he plays the guard position he reminds me a lot of Ben Simmons except for the fact that all the things that you make fun of Ben Simmons for him not being a, a big-time gamer him not being able to shoot the basketball. Those are all things that are part of Cade Cunningham's strengths. He's always going to be locked in in every single game. He's got the ability to create his own shot. And he shows up in the biggest games. I think about all the times during the regular season when people counted out Oklahoma State. First of all, the fact that this team was not supposed to be eligible for the tournament in the first place because of a infraction handed down by the NCAA but it went under appeal and it appealed long enough where they were able to participate in the NCAA tournament so he could have said you know what I don't care he could have pulled the Ben Simmons and said I don't care about the season I'm just trying to get to the NBA but instead he went out there and competed every single night and he showed out really well in the Big 12 play against some really good teams including Baylor a super defensive minded team he gives me everything that I want, Tyler. The perimeter shooting, the ability to score uh, in the painted area, and a guy that is willing to defend, not just like, you know, with, on the ball, off the ball, right. and also just has that feel. So without question, the number one consensus guy. And, and, and he, he's listed as 6'8". He's 19. He may grow into the exact yeah. height as Ben Simmons, right, as a 6'9 6'10 guy. And at the end of the day, whether or not he does, I don't think it matters. He's got length to his game. He's got playmaking ability, and his vision is off the charts. I mean, he made some plays at Oklahoma State where – he was seeing passes that were two or three passes ahead of the, the play. The fact that he has the ability to do what he does on the floor, you're looking at a, a perennial all-star, I think, with Cade Cunningham. So that's, uh, and that really revitalizes a more bun franchise in Detroit that's been just looking for something, man, just looking for good press and uh, just trying to turn things around. The attendance has been down for a while here. Uh, Stan Van Gundy did not help his cause very much as the <laughs> head coach and president Build of basketball. Wall, right? That, that's, oh. that's what he likes to do with the god. defense. <laughs> oh, my God. That's enough of him coaching. Uh, so uh, much better uh, you know, opinion guy than coach, that is for sure. So, okay, so Kate Cunningham is locked in. I agree with you. I think that he is going to be a terrific player. Now, before we even get to Mobley, I got to talk to you about the Jalens because here's where we may part, right? So here's Jalen Green 
from Guard Ignite in the in the G League, and then there's Gonzaga's Jalen Suggs. Okay, so here's what I see. I see a guy that has polish who is, I believe, is more athletic maybe than Jalen Suggs. I think that he's got a little bit more of a mean in his game where he could be able to shoot the basketball, but also uh, the athleticism, the perimeter shooting is all there. I think that he could be a really good player. Now, Jalen Suggs, on the other hand, Here's a guy here that I see that has a really high IQ, uh, high IQ, great ball uh, defensive guy, wants the ball. But but here's the problem, though. It's like he may be the more complete player, but I think Jalen Green could be more athletic and be able to get it done with his athleticism. I'm really split on these two. Here's what I think about Jalen Green, okay? And not a lot of people have seen him play because no one knows how to find G League Ignite games, right? Well, but <laughs> I do. Oh, well, you're a different breed, hoodie. You're a different breed. You're a different basketball breed than most. Yes. But Jalen Green, I think of it kind of like this year's and this past NBA draft where Anthony Edwards went number one and Anthony Edwards led all rookies in scoring. I think Jalen Green will probably lead all rookies in scoring this year, barring any sort of injury. But he may not be the best rookie because Cade Cunningham's all-around game is going to be better, a la LaMelo Ball from mm-hmm. a season ago. So is he going to be the most prolific scorer from this draft? I think when you look top to bottom, yeah, probably. He probably will is the, the most likely candidate to average 20-something points per game. But at the end of the day, I think Cade Cunningham and, and the way that he contributes to winning is a little bit more important and more of what as an NBA GM, you want to build your franchise around. So when it comes to, to Suggs, uh, I think that he can be a really solid player. I, you know, I'm not really big in the comps, but I do read them. Like I got four or five mocks in front of me. So if Jalen Suggs ends up being Chauncey Billups, cause that's the number one thing I keep hearing that. And Billups was a solid player. And also Jamal Murray of today's Denver nuggets. That's a, you know, first of all, the coaching, the tutelage of, of being in Gonzaga as a freshman at age 19, I like it. Yes. If he ends up being Jamal Murray, that's not bad at all. There, cause there's a lot of upside there. Absolutely. I love Jalen Suggs because of what he meant to his team. That was a team that had a lot of vets on it and a lot of guys that are going to play in the NBA or are also in this NBA draft as well. But Jalen Suggs, even as a freshman, you could see his leadership sort of shine through the Mm -hmm. rest. They could have relied on on Corey Kispert more, Drew Timmy more. and It's not like they weren't good leaders, but it felt like Jalen Suggs was kind of well beyond his years. And that's something that you can't really teach that stuff. He's also a former football player, probably could have played D1 football if he wanted to as well. So he's got build that's beyond his year as well. I think he's a really good defender. He's To me, it almost reminds me of Cade Cunningham a little bit. He's just five inches smaller. So I like what I see in Jalen Suggs. I think there's a lot of really good players at the top of this draft. I agree. And so I'll go to USC's big Evan Mobley. And so I saw the the comps like Christian Wood. Like, well, I saw Christian Wood in the G League. I believe did I not? Did I not see him with the Wisconsin herd? Uh, and may, was able to have a nice NBA living from that. And then there's Chris Bosh. So, so of course, Tyler. Of course, you love a versatile two way big, right? And so the elite defender now. Here's why I want to know. What can he do offensively? Can he stretch out and knock down a three, or will he be just an interior scorer in the next level? He's one of those guys who the percentages might not be there for him right now, 
but you, he's got a shot that you can work with. Usually when you look at some of these guys, you know right away whether or not they'll be able to shoot at the next level. Some guys you think you can coach, and some guys you just know they're a lost cause trying to, to stretch their game out. I think he's a guy who has the ability to stretch it out. The form looks good, and I look at Evan Mobley and think to myself, yeah, he's going to be able to develop a really good pump fake too. <laughs> and that's something that you saw Chris Bosh thrive with a lot. I know that's the comp that's, like you mentioned, that they've thrown out there, but I look at him. He's a really good rebounder. And the funny thing about the Pac-12, all right, people give the Pac-12 a lot of grief for what they are as a basketball conference. Look year after year at the top guys that go into the NBA and into the draft. If it's not Duke or Kentucky, it's usually a Pac-12 school, which is really weird to think of. Hmm. Well, let me just say this about his game. And this is just a sample size of games that I saw from Mobley. So it's got to be one or the other, Tyler. Either he's going to be a banger down low uh, and be able to be dominant there or be able to step out and, and eventually have a little bit of a jump shot. I mean, so, but here's what I like. I like that he can do a lot of things defensively, has a feel for the game. I just want to see what he can do because, to me, he's like this elite pick-and-roll guy right. with him rode to the basket. So I look at him, too, as even if he does not develop a jump shot, he does enough things really well where it's not going to be the worst thing in the world now would i take him number two if he can't develop the jump shot i don't know i probably would opt for a little more scoring with Suggs or 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 jalen green or someone like that but even if he doesn't develop that jumper i mean we kind of saw it this year how you had two guys on finals teams where you had Giannis on one side who's not an elite shooter and you had DeAndre Ayton who albeit didn't have a great finals but had a really good playoff for himself and, and ended the regular season that were effective in winning basketball games so i don't think it's the worst thing in the world if he doesn't ultimately develop that jumper either speaking of uh developing a shot let's go to Scotty Barnes uh the forward from Florida State so his shot is broken right now and i know that he's an energy guy and from everything I read and just listening to others that were at these camps, especially in the, in the bubble or been around some of these young players, Tyler, they elite defender with playmaking skills and also just gives energy to a team. So there's team leadership there at age 19 as a freshman. But here's the, the issue. Like Barnes more than likely will be taken in the top six, top 10 at the worst, right? Mm-hmm. But, but, but here's – if you're a team that already has established shooting – then Scotty Barnes can be a nice fit for you, utilizing his wingspan. He's six seven, has still has room to grow. But if you want him to come in there and be able to help you offensively, and you have offensive issues on your NBA team, that doesn't help. Like I, I see the comps up here, like Pascal Siakam, which would be the high end or even higher end Draymond Green. But I still think Scotty's got to be able to develop some kind of jump shot to reach his full potential. So here's the thing with Scotty Barnes that I find super interesting. Again, this is, and a lot of mocks have him going to Orlando at five. And Orlando, of course, also has the eighth pick. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think, okay, you try to hit a home run with one guy and you take a, a single with the other guy, right? Right. I think when you look at Scotty Barnes, it's worth the risk. And here's why. This is a guy who sprouted, I'm talking height-wise, between when he was in high school and when he got to Florida State. I remember when he was being recruited, he was a 6'2", 6'3", guard. 
And now he's up to the six, seven, six, eight. Who knows? He might even grow a little bit more. I'm wondering if he's going to grow into his body a little bit more, and then that shot is going to come back. Because I don't think he's always been this bad of a shooter. Like the percentages last year, sub 30 from three, 61% from the free throw line. I'm wondering if he's more growing into his body. And also something worth noting with him is I believe he, he was in and out of uh, COVID-19 protocol last year, and that took a monster toll on a lot of shooters throughout the country. So I'm wondering if that also was something that was messing with him, messing with his shot, messing with his rhythm, and that didn't allow him to have a very good shooting season. So did you just give the analysis of Scotty Barnes or Patrick Williams from the same school of Florida State? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say this about Scotty Barnes. <laughs> Everyone knocked Patrick Williams for not being a starter, right? That was right. the big which, thing. He, which was dumb. Which was stupid, right, yeah. obviously. But Scotty Barnes, before he went into the COVID-19 protocols, he was a starter on that Florida State team. You don't get a lot of freshman starters for Leonard Hamilton. He develops talent to the brink of where they all graduate. You either are a one-and-done with him or you graduate. And Scotty Barnes was a guy who, before the COVID-19 stuff happened, he was starting. And ultimately, he, he kind of lost his spot in the rotation. But he hit some big shots, some big jump shots for, for Florida State. I believe there was a game against UNC where he hit a, a go-ahead three, I want to say it was, or maybe his toe was on the line. But... He, he, I think he's got the ability in him because he is just one of those guys, kind of like Cade. He's a bigger guard. Now, maybe the, the shot's not there yet, but it's something that I think can develop with Scotty. Okay, here's a sleeper here. What are your UConn people saying about James Booknight? Because I see a guy here that can handle the basketball, like a score on the inside, that is athletic. Uh, I wrote down high ceiling next to James Booknight. What are your UConn people saying? Because I know you got UConn people. <laughs> oh, I try to stay away from the UConn people, actually. <laughs> but I'll say this. I, I, I like James Booknight. I like his prospects as a scorer. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his shooting ability is going to be like. And also, something with him is he's battled a number of big injuries. He missed a good bulk of the season last year with the injury. He tore his meniscus in high school as well. So we don't really know what he is as a shooter, now, a lot of people thought that, oh, when Book Knight comes back, UConn is going to be that trendy pick to make a little bit of a splash in the NCAA tournament, and then they end up losing in the first round. So I'm wondering, too, with a guy like Book Knight, I talked about it with Cade Cunningham, how he was built for every moment. Is James Book Knight the guy who can be a leader on your team? I don't know if he's quite there yet. Uh, let's talk about uh, Kaminga from... Uh... The Ignite from the uh, G League, Jonathan Kaminga. Now, um, so here, when we take a look at guys like him, I see someone with raw skills, glimpses of good play. But you've seen this yourself with your own eyes, Tyler, where there's some guys that will just chill on defense. Like, yeah, I'm just going to let him score. Yeah, I'm just going to just – I'll get him next time. So this is where it's interesting for some teams because they can look at Kaminga and say – you know, he when he's on, he could be a top ten talent. But there's a lot of a raw in him. Uh, I don't see him going to Toronto. I know that's the lazy kind of narrative that 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 would be something that the Raptors could look at. But th- that's the head scratcher, right? Like, what what you know, for someone who's raw, can you afford to take him in the top seven, top eight? Well, here's here's one little note about Jonathan Kaminga. I feel like heading into the G League Ignite season, everyone was all eyes on Jalen Green. 
But Kaminga was the guy who I think saw his name rise of all the G League guys. He benefited the most, I feel like, in terms of draft stock. No one, and, and maybe there were, obviously scouts had eyes on guys like Kaminga. And whenever you're a top-level guy in high school, people obviously know who you are. But when Kaminga went into the G League Ignite season, everyone was kind of wondering, okay, is, is Jalen Green going to do enough here to be the number one pick? I don't think a lot of people were talking about, is Jonathan Kaminga going to be a guy who's going to work his way into the top ten? And it, by all accounts, it seems like he is going to be drafted in the top ten. Some people want him in the top five. Is he going to be the guy that the Orlando Magic want to try to hit a home run with and take off of the, the abilities that he has? So he is developing. And if you have the luxury of taking a risk, kind of like what the Orlando Magic have, Kaminga might be the right guy to take. I think Scotty Barnes is a little bit safer, but Kaminga, the home run potential, I think, is a little bit higher just because he has seen his stock absolutely rise over the course of the G League season, which I don't think that can be said about all of the guys who did opt to go the Ignite route. Let me ask you, who was a more uh, impressive Wagner, Mo or Franz? I'm going to go with Franz. From an NBA standpoint, Franz. From a college standpoint, I think it was Mo. Because mm. Franz was always kind of in the backdrop, I felt like. He was really good on Michigan. But when I look at the guys who helped make that team go, it was Hunter Dickinson, the center, who went back to school. Mike Smith, their point guard, who they brought in. And then Sean D. Brown, who came off the bench for him. Franz Wagner was good. You could always tell he was the best prospect on that team, but he wasn't the most important player on that Michigan team. I think that can be said about Mo Wagner when he was at Michigan. So from a, an NBA prospect perspective, Franz is the better prospect, but from a, what they meant in college, it was definitely Mo. See, uh, Franz, for those that don't know that didn't see him, we're talking about a seven-footer that can be a spot-up three-point shooter, also a playmaker at his size. So you got the perimeter shooting, you got the playmaking, Tyler, you've got the off-the-ball defense uh, and a feel for the game, all those things. And so that's going to be a real find. Like, I don't know if he's going to be top ten, but I just know if you, you're going to get a solid player, a sophomore who's at 19 for for Franz Wagner, uh, Wagner. Listen, if he gets outside the top ten, Michael Jordan's going to start making some calls. Yes, right. <laughs> this, this is MJ's guy right here. It's him or it's Corey Kispert. And I took it personally. <laughs> Why did you get my guy? Um, let me skip down here. Let me scroll down to because I have a lot of names. Let me ask you, my friend, about Moses Moody, because we saw Arkansas and Musselman in the big spotlight, right, in the NCAA right. tournament. And so, you know, I, I don't know what his ceiling is, but I just think that he can be a really solid player for for a team. I see the um, the comps uh, anywhere from Mikel Bridges to OG Anubi. So, I mean, I think that he could be a nice player for, for a team. And I think that run clearly in the tournament helped. So what's funny with Moses Moody is that Arkansas, you're right, went on a good run, but he wasn't anything super spectacular during that run. I thought with Moses Moody, when he was in the NCAA tournament, I said, that's the guy right now who's a middling lottery pick, maybe top 20, mm -hmm. who can maybe work his way into like a top seven based on a run. And I think that's something dangerous that GMs sometimes look at, too, is 
basing a guy's entire draft stock off of a sample of two or three games. The overall body of work for Moses Moody was fantastic during the regular season. And watching him dip a little bit come tournament time, by his standards, was something that I'm pretty intrigued by where he ends up in this draft. Because there are going to be some GMs, some scouts who say he was not very good in the tournament. But there's going to be others that say, I saw him during his 28 to 30 regular season games, and he was fantastic. And that's the guy I want on my team. He's a good shooter, about 40% from three a season ago. If I'm a GM and I need wing scoring, I look at a guy like Moses Moody. I think he can. He's one of those guys where you look at how the Suns, and you brought up Mikel Bridges, how the Suns kind of built themselves with Bridges and Cam Johnson. He kind of fits into that sort of mold right there, and I think he can help a team get to the finals. He's not going to be the best player on a finals team. He's not even probably going to be a top three, but he's a guy who's going to help a winning team. Davion Mitchell, the guard from Baylor. I don't want uh, for us to end our conversation without talking about him, uh, how he is definitely a guy that is a lottery talent, and uh, as a junior with uh, Baylor, I think that there's some things that he could really do on the next level. What do you think? He's so fun. So fun to watch. The, the one thing that people will knock him for is his height. He's sitting about like six foot six one. Right. But we've seen that work. I mean, Donovan Mitchell isn't some super imposing figure. He's what, like six two, maybe? maybe so yeah. I look at Davion Mitchell and I, I said how it's kind of dangerous to to play the game with the tournament and, and you go on a, a good run of two or three games. He went on a good run of five games, okay, and won the whole thing. And and not just that, but he proved it throughout the entire regular season, too. And nobody – I didn't see a single player in college basketball this past season work as hard as Davion Mitchell on the floor. No one – if you had to hand out a most valuable player in college basketball, not the most outstanding player, but the most valuable player, it was Davion Mitchell and what he meant to his team, facilitating that offense – He shot 45% from three, but he deserves a lot of credit because I believe there were four Baylor guys that were shooting 40% or better from three. And a big reason why is because of Davion Mitchell's ability to find the open guy and to make the pass that was one or two passes ahead of sequence. And that's what makes him super fascinating to me. And also, he's a very willing defender, both on ball, off ball, He's just a high-effort guy who also blends the skill together. Yeah, on the scouting report, you circle the word hustle because, as you just mentioned, right? Yeah. So, you're in, so you come on the floor, and you're like, mm, six-foot outlier. Mm. You know, for, for, as you mentioned, 45% shooting for, for a junior. Okay, is that, is that who he is, or is he somewhere in between? So you have to get it done on the defensive end and say, I deserve time on the floor. Uh, and I see – you know, you mentioned Donovan Mitchell. There's a comp there for him and Norman Powell also and Drew Holiday. Right. You look at That's him. That's from O'Connor from the ringer. Feisty defender. I mean, no one, and he'd pick you up for all 90 feet too, which is, is something that you, is so rare, and especially at the, the NBA level too. You saw guys, when Drew Holiday started picking guys up full court, mm-hmm. it, it caused a lot of problems. And Davion Mitchell's got a motor unlike any that I've seen in recent memory. Uh, and by the way, I, I know that you're not in Australia, you're in Chicago, but this Josh Giddy, man, I tell you what, if he's a t- 
<laughs> he is moving up all these mock drafts like, oh, this kitty, it's unbelievable. The, like the, the guy from the uh, Athletic, he apparently – Yes, Did lives you know in he, Australia. Yeah, I, I just found that out the other day. <laughs> and he's like, I'm the only guy amongst all you guys that watched him. I'm telling you, he's something special. This guy here has got a variety of moves, change of pace move. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, I, I love the Joe Ingles comp. That's, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tall guy, he's 18. We'll see. I just I, There's always one or two of these guys like in the draft, isn't it? Right. Tyler is like some guy that you haven't heard of. It, the, the grainy YouTube f- uh, footage is right. like really mm-hmm. the, their, their picture might come up, n- not come up when you uh, <laughs> when he's announced <laughs> at the draft. It's just the 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 shadow avatar or whatever. No, but with I'll say this about Sam Vecini too. He was super high on Lamelo a season ago. Yes, and I don't think he was very high on R.J. Hampton. And you kind of saw how all that played out. LaMelo went out, one rookie of the year. He had him atop his big board. And you look at R.J. Hampton, who you saw him nosedive a little bit in, in the draft. So he might have a pretty good pulse on what's going on out there in Australia and has the, the down low from the scouts and the GMs and coaches out there too. So I'll trust Sam Vecini's assessment of Australian players because – Hey, he's a heck of a lot closer than you than you and I are. I mean, he's going to be grinding out there. Uh, what what the NBA draft is at seven o'clock local time. So what is that Australian time? He's probably going to be up at like four in the morning or something like that to to watch this NBA draft. So I'll trust it. Hey Siri, what time is it in Australia? Hold on. It's ten eighteen a.m. in Canberra, Australia. All right, so 10 a.m. Okay, so he'll, he'll have already had his eggs by then. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. It'll be a morning time thing. Yeah, so th- I'm so- no longer giving him as much credit for, for grinding it out. <laughs> I rescind well, that. Well, listen, like, I rescind Shilla- my helmet sticker. Well, look, Frashilla can't get there, so you have to trust Vecini, <laughs> right? He's not travel all over the country now because of COVID. He's not there in the no, gyms. No, 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 no. So, no, so, like, I trust his, like... Rashid is too tied up with TBT right now. He's not watching the draft. <laughs> yeah, I guess that might be the trick. I think that's the case, actually. So there's a number of other names I want to ask you about, but I, I just want you to tell me what I'm missing. Um, I, like, for, like, for instance, I'm tantalized by Kai Jones. Yes. Right? So 6'10", big man with perimeter skills. I mean, this is what you're looking for now, right? And, again, Christian Wood's name comes up. It's so funny. I just saw this guy like dominate the Windy City Bulls. And now he's like, he's not now he's an NBA top comp. Um, so give me some, uh, uh, maybe a name or two that we're overlooking here that you may see in either the top 10 or top 15 that you like. A guy who, I don't know if he'll go top 10 or top 15, but I'd keep an eye out on this guy, Sharif Cooper from Auburn. Mm-hmm. And he, he was one of those guys, he was tied up in NCAA investigations, and, and I think there were some academic issues, too, with getting him eligible. But when he came in, his first two games as a true freshman at Auburn, he went out there and got a double-double. And his playmaking ability is fantastic. I love what he brings to the table. Now, he's not a great shooter, but to average, I think he averaged like 20 points per game Correct. as a true freshman at Auburn. And he wasn't a good three-point shooter. You, you saw him do this without attempting many three-point shots. So, or, or if he did attempt a lot, he wasn't making them. So the fact that he can get to the line, he can facilitate. He, I mean, think about this. 20 points per game and eight assists. Yeah. As a true freshman who was thrown in in February. 
That's pretty remarkable stuff right there in the SEC, which was a much improved basketball conference this past season. So I think Sharif Cooper, if you're looking for a point guard and you're sitting in the the teens and and maybe if he's around in the early 20s, Sharif Cooper is a super fascinating guy. But he's also one of those guys, he's not a super huge guy too, so he's not able to use his body as much to create separation. But I think he's crafty. I I really like Sharif Cooper's game. Okay, so – Averaging 20 points a game, if he gets 10 and then has ex- excellent playmaking skills, I'll take that if I'm an yeah. NBA general manager. Now, you know, I, I hate the shitty comp of him being like Rajon Rondo. Rajon, in his sleep, couldn't get 20 points a game. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So I don't even understand that. But, I, I, but as far as the ball handling and playmaking in, end of that, I think that's really good. Yes, I, I look at all of the things that he does – contribute to winning that Auburn team last year was awful awful Mm -hmm. and side note here with Sharif Cooper when he does get drafted I cannot wait for our Bruce Pearl patches in on his flip phone (laughs) down low in a ditch interview with Reese Davis I cannot wait for that (laughs) that's my guy I got him I brought him in it's my guy uh bringing it back home, and I know Bulls fans are listening to us like, what about us? Like, well, you don't have a first-round pick, so sorry, (laughs) my friend. Uh, But I will ask you about Ayo DeSumo from Illinois. Now, you know, he could have stayed, but I understand why he left. Clearly what's going on in Illinois, I can understand why he left. So maybe I I could see him, Tyler, in the uh, low first, high second. Is is saying that he's a first-round pick too high. No, I don't think so. I, I think there's going to be a team that sees him as a guy that can contribute to winning. Because remember, once you get to the back end of that first round, those are teams that need help to, to get to that next level. They've got a foundation built, but they need someone that can help get to that next level. I think of Io as a guy, I, I, to make a football comparison here, I almost kind of see what I, I see in Justin Fields. Like, why are we questioning it anymore? Mm-hmm. Because he's done it. He's done it. 20 points per game. There's no qualms about his height. He's a 6'4 guard. He can shoot the three. He can facilitate. He's a good rebounder for a guard, too, in a conference where rebounding is tough because there are some really good centers that you have to go up against when you are rebounding. He can get out. He can push pace. He's got speed to facilitate. He's not – listen, he averaged 20 points per game at Illinois. He's not going to be asked to average even 12 points per game in the NBA. He's going to be asked to, to play defense, to facilitate. I, I think it, it's almost kind of Jalen Brunson-y to me, where, yeah, where just be a guy who can be a leader. And, and listen, Jalen Brunson's not going to be a superstar in the NBA, but he helps that Mavericks team out. And he's a good little running mate alongside Luka Doncic. Um, lastly, and I appreciate your time, Tyler. So this is away from the draft, but, I, but, but it's – I, I'm wondering from you whether or not you feel that based on what we saw from the Milwaukee Bucks and the way they won, the way they were grinding out wins to get themselves an NBA championship for the first time in 50 years, do you believe that some teams will um, copycat what the Bucks have done? And this is what I mean. 
So it wasn't a lot of perimeter shooting outside of Conadin. Obviously, DiVincenzo was out. But a lot of the, the offense, and when it was really solid, is when, when Giannis was going to the basket, right? Everything from right. the foul line down. Not him shooting threes haphazardly, not within the flow of the offense, but when he was getting it down low, old school basketball. I wonder, will GMs look at that as a formula and say, man, I don't have to have my big out there you know, standing on the three-point line, or will we go back to normal? Because we saw the Warriors, the way they won. We saw how the Bucks won, how they grounded out. I wonder how many teams will look at the blueprint of the Bucks and say, maybe we should do it that way. Well, everything we see, and this is in every sport, but there's trends, right? So for a while it was the, the three and D, and then we're starting to see maybe the rise of the big man a little bit, but everything's going to catch up. So what happens when the interior defense gets a lot better and you cannot do the stuff that Giannis w- was doing or the, the physicality of the game? Maybe that comes back a little bit. Who knows how all of this is going to change year to year. And so because of that, I don't know, because I'm not super impressed by the big men in this draft right. either. I think there's a couple guys who can – can provide you i mean i like mobley i like mobley a lot but Mm -hmm. everyone else it kind of feels like a scratch-off ticket when you look at guys like the the texas guys and kai jones and greg brown and and charles bassey like the big this is a guards draft if you need a guard you're in a really good spot and even with if you are looking at the big men a number of those guys are going to try to do what we see with anthony davis and joel Embiid and nicole Jokic, where they're not just back-to-the-basket guys either. They, they, wa- they still want to step out and shoot threes. So I don't know. I just think that after watching Steph for so many years, everyone wants to be a guard. And that includes guys that are 6, 10, 7 foot. They want to be guards too. So they train and they adapt and they try to build up these guard skill sets. So I don't know. I don't think we're we're quite there yet. I think it, you're going to see a little bit of a revert back to the norm. Is Kispert going to get drafted in the first round from Gonzaga? Corey what, Kispert. What pick does does Charlotte have? What was it thirteen this year? Like, <laughs> if Franz is off the board, there's Corey Kispert waiting right for you. I like his headband. Uh, <laughs> no, Michael. No. Get the hell out of here with Corey Kispert, man. Are you serious? Head, no, you know, head down, senior. God, too bad John Paxson's not involved. I, I was in this just draft. thinking the same thing. Yeah, that's a Gar Pax pick right there if I've ever seen one. I mean, and, and you know what? If he doesn't get picked by Michael Jordan, you're going to see uh, an Isaiah Thomas meme. I met the criteria <laughs> to be selected on that team. Brother, I have three mocks in front of me here. And one of them says a potential 50, 40, 90 player. All right. What's he taking? Five shots a game? <laughs> cool. All right. I want to see if he's going to land. And I got 16, I got 18, I got 14 for his, where he's going to land in the first round of the draft. I just like hard hat, you know, uh, headband senior guy. Right. That doesn't work for me in this, in this not, not in the first round. Second round, yeah, maybe as a flyer. First round, no. He's that guy, he's at the awkward height. If, if he was 6'9", six, 6'10", six, you'd take a Corey Kispert. Just too bad. He's six foot six. He's not going to beat you with quickness. He's not going to really beat you off the dribble. 
he did a lot of things that help you thrive in college. When you're six six and a, and a bulky sort of forward like that that can shoot, you can do a lot. And that's something that's going to bring a lot of success at the college level. But what happens when you play a physical team like Baylor? Corey Kispert was awful in that national championship game. He ran into a lot of physicality. And NBA teams are going to pick up on that, and they're going to put guys who are maybe a little bit longer and a little more physical than him on the perimeter against them. And I don't know how much he's going to be able to do. He's going to have to adapt and find a way around that. Tyler Aki, as well as Tim Leonard, will break it down on the Made for March podcast. Uh, wherever you download your podcast, look for Made for March podcast as they'll break down why Joe Wieskamp was drafted so low. Uh, in oh, you're Wieskamp. You're in the <laughs> Wieskamp too, huh? <laughs> Now, that'll be your breakdown. Like, you know, I can't wait for you to be yelling at the top of your lungs. He's the next Luke Kennard. I don't understand this. He's Luke Kennard. I can't wait for that. That's going to be great. A great breakdown that you're going to have. I Listen, I will say this. I do like Wieskamp. I, I, <laughs> there it is. I, I do like him. That, that, and listen, I know we haven't talked Bulls at all. No. But he's a guy that if the Bulls find him in the second round, he might be around there. And I don't think that's the worst thing in the world for, for our tourists to look at. That, that, if the Bulls have a pick, it'll be a European player. <laughs> I'm just like, I have not done my second round European scouting, so I, I can't help you out there. Uh, neither, have, uh, neither have I. I'm, I believe that that's what we're looking at here. I could be, You're thinking stash? A stash guy? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I think that we're going to have a recreation of the Denver Nuggets, quite oh, frankly, boy. which is fine. Yeah, like, I mean, it, like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. You got it's Jokic, just, right? It's, it's not appealing to fans, right? And, and listen, you're not going to make a, a splash in all likelihood in the second round, a guy who's going to come in and be an impact guy right away. But l- look at the league now. You're seeing second round guys make impacts. One of them just won MVP. He was drafted during a Taco Bell commercial. Right. So there and the way that kids think now, too, a lot of these guys are going into the draft way too early. You can Mm -hmm. find guys that have talent that you just maybe need to coach up a little bit that can be difference makers for you. You can find them in the second round. My friend, as always, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the draft because, as you mentioned, I'm also excited for every draft uh, for the NBA. But I I like the top half of this draft where I believe some teams will have some players that get paid dividends. Again, I'm very, very curious – uh, more so, even more so than Cunningham, of what the Jalen's will look like, Green and Suggs. I'm just very curious how that all works out for them wherever they're going to be drafted. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, th- this draft has a lot of juice. I think a lot of people are excited for this one. And if you've got a pick in that top ten, you're, you're really excited. I'm always excited. It's college basketball. And we see our babies go, you're leaving me. <laughs> our we graduation. Just, oh, they walk the stage and everything. Oh, they're gone. Tyler, thank you, my friend. Of course, anytime.